0: Medical laboratory testing firm LabCorp is among the latest healthcare sector organizations to suffer a ransomware attack. What can other healthcare industry related entities learn from this latest attack? I'm Marianne Kolbisak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Bill Dixon, Associate Managing Director of Cyber Risk at cybersecurity services firm Kroll. So Bill, LabCorp recently revealed that it was the victim of a cyber attack involving a, quote, new variant of ransomware. SamSam is rumored to be the ransomware involved in the attack, but the company hasn't identified the ransomware. So for a minute, let's assume that LabCorp's ransomware attack did not involve SamSam. What other new or emerging variants of ransomware are we seeing hitting or potentially hitting the healthcare sector and other entities lately that people need to be worried about? Well,
1: when it comes to variants of ransomware, there's always new variants that are popping up, SAMSAM obviously being one of them. But I think the important aspect to know is that the ransomware itself is constantly taking advantage of vulnerabilities that already exist within the organization itself. So whether or not it's a ransomware that is a few years old or something that was just recently released, obviously, that same day, they still take advantage of a lot of vulnerabilities, which comes down to a lot of instances where there may not be consistent configurations and system hygiene across the organization, and it really kind of takes that into account when it's effective. A lot of the mechanisms that ransomware uses are the same that enable a business to actually share resources within its computing environment. Aspects such as open shares, for example, or shares within a file server are definitely a component that a lot of ransomware takes advantage of. And really, I think where it comes down to is a lot of the ransomware that we're seeing today has a typical attack vector, which is some sort of social engineering or phishing campaign that leads someone to click on a a link or an attachment that normally they wouldn't necessarily think twice about. But unfortunately, that link leads them down a path where it's able to download the ransomware and take advantage of bad system hygiene or not updating systems on a regular basis.
0: So Bill, going back to SAMSAM for a minute, that flavor of ransomware was the subject of an alert put out by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services earlier this year. Is there anything particular about SAMSAM that makes it a bigger threat? than other ransomware that we've seen, particularly those involving healthcare organizations, and why?
1: Well, I think with SamSAM, the, the thing about um, this particular piece of ransomware, for example, is that it uses a strong encryption. With it, it uses, uh, for example, RSA-248 encryption, which is a very strong encryption algorithm. So one of the unfortunate things of victims of SamSAM and other malware like this, or ransomware, is that Any attempts to actually recover files of something that's already being encrypted are pretty much – nothing's impossible, but very, very unlikely. So what you see is a lot of organizations that, unfortunately, either have to pay the ransom, which in some cases is some derivative of a cryptocurrency, usually Bitcoin. But Samsung itself just takes advantage of the vulnerabilities of an organization not really having great system hygiene and patching and things of that level – and exploiting it to a level essentially where once it executes and starts encrypting files, unless you have a solid and recent backup of such systems or the affected system, that you're in a tough spot. So that's where this particular piece of ransomware becomes very difficult, is once it's it's executed, you really don't have many other options, which is why even in 2018, that ransomware attacks are still very prevalent and popular and successful.
0: So now, Bill, as we know, it's not just U.S. healthcare sector entities that have suffered cyber attacks, including ransomware attacks. Last year's WannaCry attack badly impacted the United Kingdom's national health system. And a hacker attack just revealed last week in Singapore revealed or exposed personal information of 1.5 million individuals. What are the top lessons that have emerged from the WannaCry? attack last year and what do you see emerging from this Singapore hack?
1: Well I think from, for example, one of the the eye opening things from WannaCry last year was the, the realization of how fast some of these different ransomware and variants of malware can spread. It's no longer, especially when you're dealing with a sophisticated piece of code, sometimes like some of these different pieces of malware are, of how quickly they can spread within the environment. I think what it shed light on is the importance of doing diligent monitoring and identification of what's going on, but also it really kind of shed the light on the importance, especially within, within a lot of industries, the importance of having network segmentation, essentially the ability for an organization to identify where certain assets within its environment sit. And by segmenting the network, for example, it enables the malware to essentially slow down. You're kind of slowing it down just by virtue of things being disparate and in different aspects and assets sitting in different parts of the network. Now, specifically, the, the cases that, that you have mentioned, the reason why a lot of these spread is because of the fact that networks are not segmented and the fact that the vulnerabilities that we're talking about are widespread. It's just not one or two systems that may be missing certain configurations, patches, things of that nature. They're widespread throughout the organization, and typically it's not necessarily a single instance of one particular bad piece of hygiene or bad practice. It's ubiquitous across the organization, and that's what's taken advantage of, right? I mean, that's why you see a lot of ransomware cases that affect the hospital with 85 beds, and then you see it affect, you know, a multinational corporation over 100,000 employees. It really doesn't have any discrepancies on, on those type of organizations on who it affects. It takes advantage of vulnerabilities. And the unfortunate thing is large or small, businesses and a lot, many companies still have the same organizational issues when it comes to patching systems and appropriate timeframes. And actually looking at what are their actual defenses to be able to stop and detect these early on.
0: So now, Bill, although the advice we hear usually from law enforcement is don't pay ransoms to cyber criminals. But what sorts of trends do you see? Are are there more healthcare entities tempted to pay? And under what circumstances do you see organizations deciding, well, it's easier to pay even if we have backups?
1: So there are times where some organizations, it becomes a, a decision of business and economics, right, where it comes down to, to pay the ransom versus rebuilding. Now, where I've seen most organizations recover the, the most effectively in the case of a ransomware is that, one, they're doing, they have some ability to at least detect it immediately. It doesn't mean stop it, but it means have, have something in place where they detect it from the onset and they can make swift changes to essentially limit the outbreak. Where organizations tend to shy away from and have difficulty is essentially what I would call the the rebuild or rise from the ashes approach, right? You've been taken down by a piece of ransomware, and sometimes your only choice is to essentially come back from essentially the beginning and start over. That is an option some organizations take, and again, it's a, it's a law in some cases of numbers and risks. but in some instances, that is the best option. It's not, maybe not the the best from a, a speed of business, but that's where a lot of our organizations are starting to turn from. Which really this highlights, like I said earlier, the importance that if you have none, if your organization out there that hasn't been hit or you're fortunate enough to have a minimal impact, it's the detection capabilities and understanding of how to swiftly make a change to the network, make a change to the system so you can essentially combat what's going on and not be a victim of essentially your own environment, which a lot of these ransomware take advantage of, which is an unfortunate aspect, but it's taking advantage of the same methods that we use to make our, our business, essentially business decisions done easily every day with ease of computing, ease of network connections, sharing of information, file shares, things of that nature. It's taking advantage of those same things that we use to conduct business. And I think it's putting a lot more controls around those different aspects or what you're going to see a lot of organizations start taking steps towards in order to avoid really kind of what I talked about, having to start over from the beginning. Or in some cases, having to to pay that ransom and really not having that level of assurance that, one, the system is actually going to be recovered, and, two, that they're not going to be a victim again. Because in a lot of instances, organizations that pay the ransom, unfortunately, may not take the necessary remediation steps that need to take place in order for it not to happen again. So they expose themselves to being not a victim once, but maybe twice, possibly three times. So this is a trend that actually exists today. It's unfortunate, but it is something that happens.
0: So, Bill, with that said, what are the biggest mistakes that you see healthcare and other entities make in preparing for a possible ransomware attack, but then they're caught off guard because they didn't do something?
1: Well, I think the... The biggest thing in the sound, and it's not a technical thing by any means, even though it maps back to the technical controls, is the understanding of the configurations and the systems that are on the network, essentially identifying the assets that, that reside in the environments for which they manage. A lot of times, especially in healthcare industries, there's third-party applications, maybe proprietary software, things of that nature that get put in the network to obviously improve the, uh, the care of the patient. However, in some cases, the information technology group and and maybe risk management may not be involved in those decisions on how that implementation takes place. So a lot of times there's a lot of very unique applications that reside in the healthcare industry, especially within hospitals and clinics and things of that nature, that from a security perspective, if you're not upfront identifying how the application is configured, how it talks within your network, and even who it talks to outside of your network, not knowing that really kind of leaves an exposure. And then, for example, when a case for, such as ransomware may hit, you maybe have a system that's, that's on your network that you don't know a whole lot about, which can cause a means to proliferate a ransomware and cause issues that we've seen in some of the more high-profile high ransomware cases out there.
0: Thanks, Bill. I've been speaking to Bill Dixon. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.